which this is going to drive me crazy, I think. <laughs> Sorry. I think it's, it's also, you know, this was for a six-foot-three man. I think this is for a six-foot-three man's head. <laughs> I don't know. All right, let's see if I can get this. Is it working still? Okay. <laughs> um, one of my uh, things that I always love to do is say, read the word. <laughs> read the word of God. Get into it um, to discover not only who God is, but who you are. Because the word of God will help you discover that as well. As you discover who God is, I mean, how many know that when you hang out with someone, they can actually influence you, <laughs> right? How many have had a, a, a best friend or something that you hang out with and you all of a sudden you find yourself saying something they always say? And you never said it before. <laughs> so read God's word. And uh, one of my other things that I love to say, um, five minutes is better than no minutes, <laughs> Ten minutes is better than no minutes. So I'm, I'm not going to give you read the word, spend hours upon hours in it, but spend some time in it, and as often as you can possibly do, because it is absolutely amazing. And the other thing that I would say is that um, we don't go in here to um, validate how we think God is, Right? Oh, that scripture fits what I believe. <laughs> no, we go in to discover him and have him speak to us, to transform us. That's what the word should do. Um, so you can open your Bibles if you have it with you or open your phones. We live in this new world <laughs> that Bibles are on phones. I actually love the fact that my Bible goes everywhere I go. <laughs> that right there in that little tiny technological little wonder, I have the word of God in, I mean, honestly, if, if you could have the visual of all the Bibles that I'm carrying with me in my phone, I wouldn't be able to carry them because <laughs> I have so many translations in that. Um, so it's awesome. I love the fact that I can just whip that little phone out, you know, because maybe I'm sitting waiting for a doctor appointment and God speaks. Don't you love the fact that God speaks anywhere at any time and you never know when it might happen? He has surprised me more than once where he would speak something to me and I'm out in public and it's the kind of thing that makes me cry. And I'm like, really God? <laughs> I'm like out in public right now and I have to blubber like a fool right now because you said this to me? He's even done that where I had to repent, where I'm just out in public minding my own business. <laughs> and then he says something to me, and I'm like, really, God? I'm so sorry. <laughs> anyway, well, that's me. Maybe you're not the type that would cry, but I have, I have an issue, and it's, it's okay. So anyway, Second Kings. We're going to go to the Old Testament for a little bit. <laughs> Chapter 13, starting in 15 through 19. So I'm going to read it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your powerful word. Bless your word today, Lord. So in, in 14, Joash it comes to Elisha. I mean, we can, we can read that too, but he comes to Elisha. Um, Joash isn't exactly a godly king. Um, so he comes to Elisha the prophet, and he weeps over him. He begins to weep over Elisha, and he says, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. What does that mean? First of all, Joash, even though not exactly a godly king, he understands the voice of God, and Elisha is the voice of God in the land. 
unlike the blessing that we have right now because of Christ's coming, they had a prophet that that would be the one that would hear God and speak forth what God is saying and doing. And so Joash went to the voice of God, so to speak, because he knew he needed, he needed help. And he had enemies that were surrounding him. And so um, he goes to the voice of God, and he knows that it's God's leading, it's God's direction, it's God who has brought many victories for them, even though Joash isn't exactly a godly king. In fact, how I would describe Joash is that he wasn't necessarily a worshiper of a false god. Now hear this. He wasn't necessarily a worshiper of a false god, but he was rather a false worshiper of the true god. Think about that. Think about that. I think there might be a few in the land today that they believe there is a one true God. And they're not worshiping idols, but they're a false worshiper. And again, going back to why you read the word to discover who God is and not to validate who you think he is. He declared very clearly who he is. There, there really, it is pretty clear. There, there is always going to be mystery to God. There's always going to be mystery to God. My, one of the things that I say is if we can fully understand God, then he isn't big enough. Because we have, I think my son calls it, finite puny, puny punk brains. <laughs> Just puny punk brains. We, we don't have it all together in understanding. And I am really glad that there is some mystery to God because the word of God says he's unfathomable. And so what that should do is keep you in pursuit. Keep you in pursuit of him. He wants to make himself known to you. He has made himself known. Remember Jesus? Anybody remember him? (laughs) He's the exact representation of the Father. And it's pretty clear the things that Jesus did. We can read about that. So Joash goes to the voice of God, to the one, because he knew that Elisha could hear God and he was desperate. I love this quote by Spurgeon who says, Let us seek so to live that even ungodly men may miss us when we're gone. Because right here it says that Elisha had become sick and it tells us that he's going to die. So Joash gets to him because he's like, i got to get to the voice of God before he's gone. So dear friends, let us seek to live that even ungodly men may miss us when we are gone. Let that one sink in. Joash knew God's past interaction with the people called by his name. He was called by God's name. He, he's Jewish. He's part of Israel, right? During this time, the kingdoms are, are separated. There's the southern, and, yeah, southern. <laughs> Make sure I'm doing this right, southern, <laughs> and the northern kingdom. And now I'm totally going blank. I think he's from the southern, Mr. Professor, Bible College Professor. You tell me. You tell me right now. <laughs> I think it's southern. Am I right? Judah. Yes, thank you. (laughs) Yes, okay. (laughs) So Elisha in, in 15, Elisha said to him, take a bow and arrows. So he took a bow and arrows. So the voice of God, represented by Elisha, gives instruction. He says, take a bow. Take a bow. So obviously, that bow had to be right there. That tool, that weapon was right there. And he could have looked at Elisha, why? But no, he took it. He took it up. Take a bow. And um, 
uh, not Elisha, Joash, all these names. Joash, you know, he had, he had to be obedient to that instruction or he could have walked away crazy, right? But he, he actually, it says he picked it up. Awesome. Because one thing that I want you to understand is that Joash was a part of the impending victory. He was a part of it. Are you a part of somebody's, your own, or somebody else's impending victory? Has God given you directions to pick something up? So the weapon was there, the tool, we could say tool, the weapon. And then in 16, he says, Then he said to the king of Israel, Put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on it. And this is the cool part. So then, what does it say? It says, Then Elisha laid his hands on the king's hands. So then, Elisha laid his hands. I, I look at that, because again, he's the representation of God in the land. So here, God's hands were rested on. Joash's hands, right? So he was present. God was present. God was giving instructions. And then Elisha says, open the window toward the east. So, I can't go open a window, sorry. (laughs) East. (laughs) East. (laughs) Um, So he says, Open the window toward the east, and so he opened it, and then Elisha said, shoot. He wasn't going, shoot. <laughs> no, he was saying, shoot. I don't know how to do this, and I will not point it at anybody, okay? <laughs> and I'm not shooting it, okay? Just, just relax, everybody. <laughs> shoot. I could hurt something. Wow. Um, and so Joash shot, and he said, and then Elisha said, the Lord's arrow of victory, even the arrow of victory over Aram, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, for you will defeat the Arameans and at Aphek until you have destroyed them. There's the prophetic word there. There's the prophetic word spoken by the voice of God. Now, I want you to understand something uh, where he said, open it to the east. And here, again, this is, you know, we need to listen to the specific things that God tells us, tells us to do and not try to muddle them up or think, well, did he say east? What's wrong with west? If the enemy is this way and you're pointing this way, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I'm not even going to pull it because I'm so afraid that if I somehow I'd accidentally. But if your enemy is this way, You better not be pointing any other direction, right? Listen to what the Lord tells you to do. So the prophetic word comes, the Lord's arrow of victory, even the arrow of victory over Aram. So the interesting thing is, to the east, that's where Aphek was at. That's where Aphek was at. So Elijah is saying, there's your enemy. There's your enemy, right out east. So, I want to tell you something interesting about Aphek. It was a place that Ahab got a major victory at one point. So, I think that's significant. Because of the fact, if you remember, I I think I spoke of this word one time, but anyway, there's a Hebrew word for testimony, and that word is eduth. And what that word means is evidence, proof. It's witness. And it also has, because it's like a compound word, two words put together. So witness, evidence, proof. Do it again. So I think there's some significance to that. Elisha saying, there's your enemy out the east, Aphek. But be reminded that someone got a victory there before. So do it again, Lord. There's testimony. There was victory in Aphek one other time for the children of Israel. Do it again, Lord. Do it again. 
so many good things. And I'm, I'm just like, I'm just preaching this. I don't even need my notes. What's wrong with me? I don't even know where I'm at now. <laughs> it's all good. It is all good. <laughs> so then he said, take the arrows. Take the arrows. I'd love to be really cool like, what's her name on that one show? Yeah. To be able to do that, have a bunch of arrows on my back, and just, I mean, wouldn't that be great if you really could do that? Okay, I digress. (laughs) So here he says, then he said, take the arrows, and he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. And he struck it three times and stopped. Now, interesting enough, some of you might remember a sermon that was preached here one time when we were actually at a different location. One of the memorable uh, sermons by our pastor. And he preached out of this and about, you know, striking the ground. Well, one thing that I discovered, and this is not to invalidate that sermon, because that was a powerful sermon. And we saw people up here taking wood and slamming the ground. And as they slammed the ground, they got set free. But just a little ancient understanding of of what was actually uh, done here is that what they would do when you had an enemy that you were going to go up against, you would take a spear or an arrow and you would shoot it into the ground of that enemy place. Either way, it works. If you take the arrows, if I were to take all those arrows and slam them against the ground, like striking the ground, or if I would take a bunch of arrows and just keep going. So Joash, he, he just did it three times and he stopped. And then it says, So the man of God was angry with him and said, You should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Aram until you would have destroyed it but now you will strike Aram only three times. Now, wait a minute. This seems unfair, completely unfair. Didn't he have the prophetic word, the victory, the arrow of victory, the Lord's arrow of victory, and you're going to destroy them completely? What is happening here? This doesn't make sense. And obviously, we don't have in the narrative all the emotion I mean, you know, if we could just have a video of this. But there has to be some reality to what Joash did in complacency. No big deal, really. I'm just going to shoot some arrows. That's it. Because why would the man of God get angry? Why? Why? Remember, Joash wasn't necessarily a worshiper of false idols, but he was a false worshiper of the true God. What was the narrative going on in Joash's mind? This is silly. I'm I'm speaking when God speaks to you. What is the narrative that goes on in your mind? Does he tell you to do something and you go, I can't. This is crazy. What's the point? I'm too busy. I mean, there, there could be now, some of these aren't going to apply to Joas per se, but I, I just want, want to talk about the reality of too busy. I'm being held back by, by other people. What's the narrative that goes on in your mind that God has given specific instruction to you and you're like, whatever, okay, sure, I'll do this kind of a thing. We should never get hasty about the word of God and the instructions of God. Hasty and, and, uh, or puffed up or whatever and so rely, and this is so, you gotta hear me out on this. So rely on the word of God that we do nothing. Times you have to get the word of God. What's next, God? What's next? How do I see this victory happen? 
There's a time and a place for passivity led by the Holy Spirit. But many times, and in this case, Joash was being passive when he should have been aggressive. He should have been aggressive. He had, he had the, so to speak, he had the hand of God resting on him through the prophet Isaiah, uh, Elisha. <laughs> he had that. He had the declaration, the Lord's arrow of victory, even the arrow of victory over Aram, for you will defeat the Arameans at Aphek until you are, you've destroyed them. He had the word. But guess what? He didn't get the victory completely the way God intended it. He did not. You can go to verse 25. Three times Joash defeated him and recovered the cities of Israel. So he got some victory. But God wanted greater victory. And so sometimes, what am I saying in all this? That sometimes God gives us a word from the Lord and then we sit back and do nothing. We, we don't say, you might even even said yes. I literally found out this last weekend that yes isn't quite enough always. Sometimes you have to get up and make it happen. Sometimes you, you get the word of the Lord and, and this is the case. And why, 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 why? Why is it that man of God got angry. Why is it that he only got, uh, you know, that he didn't understand? Why didn't he understand that he should have done it five or six times? Sometimes God calls out your faith, because this was an act of faith on Joash's part, an act of faith. How much did he want that victory? Sometimes God calls that out of us. How much do you want victory in your life? Are you going to be complacent? Well, I've got the prophetic word, and he told me to do this, and okay, whatever. The Lord's arrow of victory, prophetic word, the Lord's hand on Joash, the Lord's voice of declaration, the Lord's instruction. So why, why didn't God tell him, do it five or six times, Joash? Because he's calling him out. He wants to, sometimes he wants to see how serious are we? How serious we are we to follow him, to do his will, to, I loved how Barbara, this last weekend, Barbara Heil was over at Hosanna, and I loved the one thing that she said. She said, she goes, give your life, pour it out, go to heaven empty. Go to heaven empty. I love that. And it's, it's really interesting because I, I just this week I'm discovering that my yes was not enough. Now this is the message that God has been putting on my heart for a long time. I'm preaching to myself. I'm telling you what, I am preaching to myself. And this is a good sermon. That's <laughs> right. So he's calling us out. He wants to know what do we... What are we really willing to do? Do we really want victory enough? Do we want that? Because the element of faith, when you're given a prophetic word, there is the element of faith has to come in. How many of you have ever received a word that's way bigger than you? Anybody? <laughs> yeah, I received one last Friday. And I tell you what, not out of fear, but I am trembling in my boots. But I tell you what it's doing, it's driving me to Jesus. And I want to go to heaven empty. I want to pour it out. So what's the narrative that goes on in your hair? I'm not enough. Maybe you, maybe you have that. I'm not enough. Maybe for Joash, he's already... One of the things in the scripture, it talks about the Moabites. They invade the land in the spring of the year. So every year, the spring of the year comes and the Moabites come. Yay! <laughs> and maybe he's like, okay, I got the word of the Lord. Yeah, that's great. Okay, I'm, I've got the victory. I've got the victory. Because God said so. But there was a part that he had to play for that victory. 
And he had to call upon his, the faith that he had in this one true God. And um, again, we don't know what the narrative, that's, that's all speculation, what the narrative was in Joash's head. But what's the narrative in your head? Again, I'm not enough. The enemy's too strong. There are people holding me back. I'm tired. I'm busy. What will shooting five or six arrows do? What, uh, um, I don't like this weapon. Give me a different weapon. I don't like this call. Give me a different call. I don't like it. It's too hard. God has set us up for victory. Just to let you know, Father God shot an arrow. His name is Jesus. That is the arrow of victory right there. He shot that arrow, and he shot it right into the enemy's territory, didn't he? Bam! He didn't need to do five or six. He had one really big one. One really big one, and I would say, I got some fun arrows here. They're scary, I'm telling you what. Mr. Fred brought me some really interesting arrows. I didn't know they existed. They are scary looking. I would say maybe the arrow called Jesus might be similar to, what is this one called? No, just the kind it is. It's a three blade. Three blade. Now, does it stay like this until it hits? Mm-hmm. So it stays up like this until it hits the animal, it sounds. Yeah. But what a powerful weapon that is. I would say Jesus was kind of like this. Didn't, didn't look too bad. It looked like a pretty ordinary one. But he hit... He hit the enemy, and this expanded into the enemy. Because we know what the word of God says, that he destroyed the works. He destroyed the works of the enemy. I'm going to put this, this one scares me. I'm afraid I'm going to hurt somebody. (laughs) There's these other ones that are really cool, too, that are just razor blades. I'm not going to get them out, but... Jesus. He was shot into the enemy's territory. He has really won the victory for us. He is the arrow of victory. In fact, he hit the bullseye, didn't he? There was no missing for him. He hit it. So we have the victory. This is the truth. Just like Joash had the prophetic word. He, had, he said, I mean, the prophetic word was, I'm going to destroy your enemy. But then he got complacent. Then he didn't, he didn't really respond in faith. He didn't give himself over completely to this victory. So that's the question I asked you. Have you given yourself over completely to the victory? Have you done that? Because he's going to call our faith out. And faith is a verb. You have to take some action. You have to take some action. Do you believe? Do you have passion? How much do you burn for the will of God? How much do you burn for the prophetic words that have been spoken over you? And if you think you've gotten, I mean, I'm telling you, if you have gotten that prophetic word, the same word, more than once, and you have set it aside because you think this isn't God, or I'm not going to do that, that doesn't sound like me, you better reconsider you better reconsider. And I know I've told many my story in this because I kept getting prophetic words about having a teaching gift in me. That I, 
I go into the word and God just reveals things to me, and he does. That I'm a teacher of the word, and I need to stand up, and I need to teach the word. Now, this was even began when we first started pastoring. So that was 1985. I think between 1985 and 1999, I probably had between three and five prophetic words. And you know what I kept doing? That's not me. Terry's the teacher. So I'm doing, basically laying my weapon down. My weapon is teaching the word of God. That's part of my, my arsenal, is being able to stand up and preach the word of God with passion and with power and to believe it, that when I do that, it makes a difference in somebody's life. And so one time in 1999, I went to a prophetic um, little meeting here in Grand Forks one weekend, and I went to another one the very next weekend, and prophetic people, two different prophetic people, and what happened was, once again, the first time, you have a teaching gift in you. The following weekend, you have a teaching gift in you. I went to my car, I get in the car, and I said within my heart, God, why do I keep getting the same word? Duh. I love the fact that I can ask my father questions like that, and he's going to give me the answer. So what did he say to me? Suzette, I heard him very, very firmly, very clearly. Suzette, when you get this one, I'll give you a new word. Guess what? I've had a lot of new words since then. Because I repented with weeping because he was right. God's always right, right? Sometimes we don't think he is. (laughs) I didn't think he was right about this. I didn't think he was. I thought, he's crazy. Imagine someone saying God's crazy. (laughs) Terry's the teacher. But for some reason... And I'll tell you a dream I had, because now I understand this dream. I had it as a young girl. I was in grade school. And in this dream, it was a prophetic dream, and I did not understand it, and I had it more than once. I didn't understand it for years. So in this dream, I was in church. I was with my grandfather. And we're sitting right up in the front. And it was really interesting. It was like the church, it was all wood. I mean, the ceiling was wood. This, everything was wood, 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 wood. And then there was off to the side, there was a staircase. And it was an open staircase, so you could get underneath the stairs or you could go up the stairs. And so I'm sitting right on the very front row corner next to that staircase, and the pastor's preaching. And I'm, I'm a little girl, and I'm, I'm listening to the pastor preach, and I'm, it's like I'm receiving, and I'm seeing this is good stuff. And I'm looking around, I'm looking around at all the people in this church, and it was full. And I'm looking, and I'm like, they're not getting it. They're not getting it. They're not understanding how incredible this is. They don't get it. And then I looked over, and underneath the staircase was a pile of gold coins, just a pile of them. And I, I looked around and I said, doesn't anybody see that? Isn't my, nobody noticed that? The gold coins over there? I mean, total, everybody's oblivious. And I go over to the coins and I, I pick them up and I go, and nobody really notices that I'm doing this. I sit down in my chair, I put the gold coins on my lap, and they all went in me. And I did this several times in the stream. I didn't understand that dream. For the, first of all, I was a little girl. That was the calling of God right there. It's the calling of God. That I understood that the preaching of the word was important in in hearing and understanding the word of God and its riches. Its riches. So I was getting it. And he was letting me get it. Because there is nothing richer than the word of God. Nothing. The Word of God tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 
Paul says, you have enriched with all speech and knowledge. You have been enriched with all speech and knowledge. What are you going to do with that? Are you going to shoot three arrows with that knowledge, with that understanding, with that prophetic word, with that reality, with that truth? Or are you going to shoot a whole lot of arrows with all that you've been enriched with, all speech and all knowledge? Are you going to hit... Wait, this might see me shaking there. <laughs> are you going to believe that? Or are you going to sit down and do nothing? Paul understood. And if we read the words of Paul, he says things like, I don't fight as one who beats the air. What does he mean by that? In other words, first of all, he's fighting. But he knows who his enemy is, and he's not just wasting his time. In other words, with everything that he does, Filling the the prophetic call upon his life that that the fact that Christ in him the hope of glory that he is beating the devil down at every turn and and so he's not just hitting air. We know something about Paul that he had beatings, shipwreck, whippings, more than once. In fact, one time he got, um, in this day and age, saying this, this biblical terminology, he got stoned. <laughs> we know what that means. Because if you say you get rocked, it's about as bad. <laughs> he got killed with big rocks. <laughs> okay? So he died, and then God resurrected him. He said, I suffered the loss of all things. I count everything as loss. Everything, it's all, in fact, I think it's the King James says, I count it as dung. He says, not that I've already attained, but I press on. Because I'm going to apprehend that which I've been apprehended for by Christ Jesus. What has God apprehended you for? What has he apprehended you for? It wasn't for nothing. And he paid that price for you. He paid the ransom. What is a ransom? A ransom is paid so someone could go free. Every one of us, if we know Jesus Christ in our heart, he paid through his blood, through the whippings, through the mocking, through um, the nails in his hands, through the crown of thorns, through his beard being ripped out. He paid that price so you could go free. What are you doing with your freedom? What are you doing with your freedom? He fought the good fight. He ran the race. I love this one song that's on my heart recently. We just learned it, I don't know, a couple, three months ago. The, the one line goes, There's a yes in my heart, and it carries through eternity. Simple obedience changes history. There's a yes in my heart, and it carries through eternity. Simple obedience changes history. Joash had an opportunity to change history. Didn't he? But he didn't. They got a few victories. But they didn't get what I think the prophetic word was. They didn't get it. Now you're thinking, well, if it's God's word, it's a prophetic word. And prophetic words are really contingent on what you're going to do with them. What are you going to do with your prophetic words that have been spoken over your life? Are you 
And I say yes, and that's all you're going to say? That's what I learned this week for me personally. That a yes just isn't enough. What am I going to do to step out and make this happen? Now, obviously, it should be as the Lord directs, but sometimes we can sit back and wait for the Lord to direct when really he's waiting for us to shoot five or six times. Five or six times. Instead of just sitting there waiting for him to do something which he's already done. And he's saying, where's your faith? Are you going to believe me? Are you going to shoot your passion? Are you going to shoot your faith arrows? Are you going to shoot your passionate arrows? Are you going to pour out your life for me like I poured out for you? Are you going to do it? Now this is not a message of condemnation. So if you're feeling condemned right now, tell hell to shut up. (laughs) Tell them to shut up. This is like what a coach does to a team, right? Come on, let's do this, team. Let's win. Let's win. Let's go out there and defeat the enemy. Let's defeat the one that's coming up against us. Let's defeat him. Do not go into discouragement or the fact, oh, obviously I haven't done it right. You know what? This is what I tell my kids when I teach them down in Sunday school. Because I'll ask questions that I'm pretty sure they don't always know the answer to. And then I'll say, that's a pretty good answer. Not bad. But here is the real answer. Now, don't feel bad that you didn't know the answer. Because now you do. Right? Now you know the answer. So you've just learned something. And I'll take that knowledge and go with it. Right? Yeah. So if you're feeling guilty, thinking, man, I've gotten all these prophetic words and I've just pretty much sat on my hands. Today's the day to get off your hands. (laughs) Right? Today's the day. Today's the day to let your passion be poured out for God. And to say yes, once again, and then by faith, apprehend that which you have been apprehended for through Christ Jesus. And if you don't know what you've been apprehended for, ask him, he knows. There's some things, of course, we, we obviously can know right here. Now, I could not go into the Bible and necessarily, you know, that talks about the fivefold ministry, and one of them is a teacher, right? But I read that thing umpteen times, but it, I certainly didn't grab hold of it. I mean, one of my strong, what I would say my strong fivefold ministry is I'm pastoral. I love, I love to encourage. And I love to run the race beside you and say, you're going to make it. And I'm going to be right there with you. And I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to believe for you. That is probably my strongest in the fivefold ministry. But I also get to be a teacher of his word. So your prophetic word has been spoken. Today is the day to do more than yes. To begin saying, God, what do I do now? What do I do now? What's the next? And let's do what Barbara said. Go to heaven empty. Paul talked about that, didn't he? Pouring out his life as a drink offering. Pour it out. Pour it out. Pour it out. Give your all to God. And we get to do that in every aspect of our life. If you have a job, you get to do it on your job. 
right? If you don't have to have a job, but your job is staying home. You get to do it among your family. You definitely need to get to do it in your church. Pour it out. Pour it out. Pour out your life. Pour it out. And you know what? In pouring out our life, can I, can I say with absolute experience that you're going to find people that are going to say and do things to you that are going to hurt deeply? So what? <laughs> Get yourself back up. If it knocked you off your feet, so to speak, pour yourself out for God. We live in a country that is incredibly independent. And right now, I feel like our country is a wounded soul. Everybody gets offended at everything. It's time to stand up, take that prophetic word that you've been given, and... Whatever, if someone said or done, or you've done or said something yourself that kind of knocked you off the track, so to speak, just get back up, get on track, go for it. That's the beauty of our advocate, our Jesus, who we can go to and say, man, I'm sorry, I messed up. And guess what he's going to say? I love you. And you're forgiven. I love the Old Testament. I mean, the Old Testament is just absolutely phenomenal on the faithfulness of God more than, I mean, the New Testament is obviously through Christ because Christ came. Wow, the faithfulness of God and his forgiveness. But the Old Testament with the children of Israel were such examples to us of God's faithfulness because they kept constantly worshiping idols, walking away. And then one would cry out, and he'd come. Wow. Thank you, God. I'm so thankful. I mean, I, I, I know you guys think that I really never do anything wrong, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You've seen them. <laughs> You've been around here long enough. You've experienced more than you probably ever wanted to experience of, of my goofiness. <laughs> And, and sinful, fleshly behavior. <laughs> wow. God, God, we, we have a job to do in our church and beyond those four walls because there are hurting and dying people out there that need to hear the truth of God's word. And they need a church. They need a church. And I'm not talking like a church building like Foursquare Church. I'm talking about the church. They need a church that rises up to the occasion of the price that was paid, right? And he said, my kingdom come, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He needs a people that will rise up and the people out there that are lost and dying need a people who will rise up and have the wisdom of God upon their minds and hearts that can speak forth words of wisdom. Words of knowledge. Lay hands on the sick and see them recover. I would have to say that, and in, in most of you probably can figure this out, Terry and I, we're not looking for a big church. But I tell you what, we're not willing to not see his kingdom come. We're not willing to not see his will done. And even though I know that Terry and I have failed in some of those areas, but I can guarantee you we're a people that repent. We're a people that will repent and get up and try it again. No matter what the failure, I will not give in to hell. I will not. One prophetic man looked at me and said, you would take the devil on with a bucket of water, wouldn't you? And I said, you bet I would. Because I don't like him. (laughs) 
And even though I am a kind of person that I don't blatantly sin, like I, I'm not, I'm not distracted by some of the, the kind of sinful things out there, but I, I've discovered lately that the enemy gets me through distraction. And I'm pretty done with that too. Because it's time. It's time to get on our knees and weep for the lost again. It's time. It's time to declare the good news of Jesus Christ in the streets. It's time to to get on our knees and pray and have the Holy Spirit show you a person to go to that you don't even know and say something you're not even sure what you're going to say because God revealed them to you. It might be a person in a red jacket in a certain place. It might be someone that you know in a store. That happened to me recently. God showed me a person, and I was like, okay, I'll go talk. I'm not sure what I'm going to say, but I'll go talk to him. So I just went, and I loved on her, and I actually got my testimony spoken to her in less than five minutes. And just uh, Friday, it was real interesting, I was there at that same store, and I was had a few things in my hands, and then I, I went to put my keys away, but I had one of the items in my hand, right? And she comes walking up, and I said, oh, I'm not putting it in my pocket. I'm trying to get my keys in there. And she looked at me, and this is what she said. I know you're a good person. You wouldn't do that. So she said to me. I influenced her. I influenced her. And I, in a matter of less than 10 minutes made it known to me that I loved her and cared for her, and so does God. So she knows I wouldn't do something like that. We get to do that kind of stuff. We get to do that kind of stuff. And there is a lost and dying world out there that needs to hear Jesus. Is there a yes in your heart? Trust me, it carries through eternity. What does that mean? Let me give you a little example After my mother died, I was driving home from the hospital, and it's about a 40-minute drive. And, you know, when people die, people come up and say some of the dumbest things. (laughs) I think I've said some of them. I don't know. I've kind of come to my senses in the last couple decades, so... I don't think I say dumb things anymore after someone dies, you know. Well, they just graduated to their their angel wings. (laughs) No, something like that. Uh, And I was just talking to the Lord, and I said, yeah, I said that. I said, I'm sure I'm going to hear some dumb things. And that was the one that came to my mind, because my mom was pretty phenomenal heard the Lord say to me, your mother is still a warrior before my throne. Every prayer that she's ever prayed to me that I have yet to answer are still before me. Our yes carries through eternity. Simple obedience can change history. If you have accepted Christ as your Savior, based on whatever reason, seeing someone live it out, that's what it was for me. My brother got saved, and he was so transformed, and I thought within my heart, that's what I want. So his simple obedience of living out Jesus changed my history, right? There's more at stake here than we probably even ever think about. There is some history that needs to be changed in people's lives by you being a drink offering poured out and going to heaven empty, giving your all However that looks, however that looks,
Because every one of you, if you have Christ in you and his very spirit dwells within you, you are enough. You are enough. I mean, just think of some of the Bible characters that God called. Imperfect. Imperfect. So many of them. Moses kept coming up with excuses. Abraham lied. Joseph was a bragger. Paul killed people of God. He was a murderer. David was an adulterer. But one thing they all had in common, they were repenters. <laughs> Repentance is not a bad thing. It is an incredibly good thing. And when you have the Holy Spirit bringing conviction upon your soul, the best thing to do is just repent. So, let's pour ourselves out. And when we get instructions and we get prophetic words, don't get passive. Get passionate. And step out in faith and figure out how to make it happen, that prophetic word. What did I have to do when I finally embraced that I'm a teacher of the word? I had to be willing to teach. I had to be willing to stand up here and do this. I mean, I did it prior to that very few times, but I did it. I was more comfortable with children. <laughs> children are very forgiving, and they don't know as much, so they're just thinking you're like the best thing that ever came along. <laughs> Especially if you just love them. <laughs> but I had to be willing to stand up and, and do this and And I'm willing to do it anywhere God sends me. I'm willing to shoot about 100 arrows into enemy territory so I can change some history by just being obedient. I can't change someone's history. Personally, I can't do it. You understand that when I say that. It is God in me and my obedience to that and speaking his truth. And then he does the rest. Let's close our eyes. And I'm going to ask a question or two. If you have had a prophetic word spoken over you and you have either not embraced them, today's the day. Today's the day to tell the Lord you're sorry that you kind of pushed him aside, thinking, no, that's not my word. That must be for someone else. I don't care how crazy the word is. I call you to repentance. If you said yes, but that's all you've done, get your bow out and start shooting some arrows. However that looks, whatever that means for you. And I'm going to ask the question, do you know Jesus? Do you know the one that loves you more than life itself? Have you surrendered your heart to him fully, completely? His way, not your way. If you are not a worshiper of false gods, but maybe you're a false worshiper of the true God, and it's time to let go of all of that and surrender your heart to the living God who loves you, then I would say, Raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me. That's me. I need to serve 
the living God as he said it is to be done, not according to my comfortable ways or if you want Jesus as Jesus has declared him to be himself to be then receive him today and if you want prayer I will pray for you for you to completely abandon yourself to the living God. I'll pray with you on that. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you for your word of truth. You are a mighty God, and there is no other. And I'm so thankful for your love. And Lord, I pray your peace, your grace, your mercy upon these people, that they will go forth from here filled with your presence, filled with the reality that you love them more than life, filled with uh, purpose and hope, and that not only for themselves, but they can give purpose and hope to the lost and dying people, that they might come in contact at any given time. Bless them, Lord. In your name, Jesus. Amen. See, all these were in one. Oh, and that one? Oh, okay. Actually, the one box was empty. I just put those in. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> good, good. Well, go forth. <laughs> Absolutely go forth. Oh, good. Thanks, Carolyn. Yeah, it was nice meeting you guys. Yeah, good. Good, good, good. Uh-oh, one. Maybe that's what was going on down there, I bet. We had a broken one. Remember, because we were trying to put one in and it wouldn't go in. But that's, that might have been it. Thank you for doing this, Fred. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That sermon again, so I might have to buy myself a bow and an arrow thing. <laughs> so this one, does this one go over there too? Yeah. Oh, it looks like there's maybe one more. They don't make them like this one. Was this inside the box or this? I had it in the box, yeah. This thing here? Okay. cut the leg. Oh, okay. I started doing one here and I messed it up. I've got to do it with a little file. See, this one's a long one. Oh, uh-huh. Cut. Oh, okay. Yeah. It fit me when I was... And this is a, you know, kid's ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine, because, man, doing that was, was, you should always have twists in these things. Oh, is that right? Yeah, ah. because uh, if they if the strings get loose, then they'll uh, you know if they're real hard big bows, mm-hmm. then you gotta. Uh, yeah. 
I don't know. It's been so long since I did. Yeah. I, I don't do it. So. <laughs> yeah. I'll carry this out. All right. Good. Thank you. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, Jocelyn, go get some apples downstairs if you like apples, because there's a bunch down there. Yes, they are. Yes. <laughs> okay. Oh, did you? <laughs> Good, thanks. That'll be fun. <laughs> Man, that's only a 25-pounder, and I'm like, ooh. I was going she going to let loose one? <laughs> no. Oh, I suppose I should get that. So what? Oh, well, I guess we have to figure out a time. Well, Matt, she's going to come back up, she said. But yeah. And she goes, I said, well, we could probably do a Monday sometime. She said, tomorrow. Oh. <laughs> I said, well, you're, you're yeah. on, I think. So. Oh, yeah, I suppose I am. Better take it off. 